0: Matthew 28 verses 19 through 20. Therefore, go and make disciples
1: of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end
0: of the age. Perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you, Josie. All right. So today I wanted to start this lesson by by having some crowd interaction. And uh, and I've debated back and forth on like how I want you guys to be involved. Um, uh, I don't know. I still don't know. But uh, this is this is what we're going to end up doing. Okay. So if you agree with the statement, then you can just simply you know raise your hand. There's some other way that you would like to acknowledge. Oh, I'm so sorry. (laughs) I just get right into it. Kids are dismissed. My apologies we have a i don't know if you guys know this or not, but uh, we have an awesome kids program that uh, that I just forgot about so uh, <laughs> but uh, we're doing tons of stuff Casey is uh, is rocking and rolling with the kids' ministry side of things, and uh, we it, again if you don't know, we actually started a whole new curriculum what the teachers are are doing so great with, but it's it's really story driven and uh, super interactive and really fun, and and the great part is they don't realize they're learning sometimes, and, and they walk away um, really learning some great things, and it's a, really, it's a really cool program, and so just round of applause for Casey for, uh, for paving the way into something that is uh, new and different and, and all that kind of stuff. So now that, that that's over, and I just, you know, it's, she's my wife, so I just took a moment. Back to what I was saying. All right, if you agree, uh, just simply raise your hand. That's the, that's the simplest thing you, ha- you can do. Uh, if you want to do anything else, if you want to jump up and scream, if you want to uh, hoot and holler, you know, whatever, however you're feeling in this moment. But okay, here, here's what it is. One person can, has, can have a positive impact on thousands. Do you agree or disagree? If you agree, raise your hand. If you disagree, don't do anything. All right? One person can have a positive impact on thousands. Okay. Number two, the most powerful people make the biggest impact. The most powerful people make the biggest impact. I I'm have a little bit of confusion and I appreciate that. It's kind of a difficult idea, right? What do you guys think? If you agree, raise your hand. Most powerful people have the biggest impact. If you disagree, don't don't do anything. Equal? Should we have something for equal? All right, number three. A celebrity has more opportunities to influence others than the person sitting next to you. A celebrity, a a sports superstar, a a Hollywood actor or actress. Agree or disagree? Number four. A small group of people can change the world. I agree with that. Number five, an inaction is as powerful as an action. Choosing to not do something is just as powerful as choosing to do something. I mean, these are pretty interesting th- thoughts and these pretty interesting statements to be to be kind of making and, and thinking over and these like I said when when I'm thinking of these sermons they're they're not for you they're for me it's what God's working on in my heart and I just hope that on some level it's on your heart and when I hear these things and and I think about these things I start to it starts to affect me and it starts to make me think deeper about my own faith and my own walk in Christ and and how, who am I impacting? Who am I changing? Sometimes I fall into the trap of saying, well, those that have the most power are going to be the ones that have the most impact. Sometimes I fall into that trap, and maybe you do too. Maybe you fall into that same mindset where you're just, you know, I don't have as big of an influence as, as somebody else. I don't need to say anything. I don't need to do anything because somebody else more powerful than me has already said something or has already countered what I was going to say. Josie here read Matthew chapter 28 verses 19 to 20, the great commission, you know, go into all the world, baptizing all people. And it wasn't a call for those that are just the most powerful, right? It was a call for those that follow Christ. So you don't have to be a Hollywood star, you don't have to be you know, an Instagram influencer to make an impact. In fact, the Bible gives us three, well, I mean, there's multiple, but I'm going to pick three awesome examples of people who, despite feeling inadequate, really truly made a huge impact in their area of influence and ultimately the world. And thank goodness for these, these three that we're going to talk about. Here's the thing is they weren't perfect, you know, and I know you guys know this and I know you've heard this and I know it's going to come off as, you know, another preacher saying that God doesn't look for perfect people, right? But that's the thing over and over and over again in scripture. We see multiple times that God doesn't call perfect people. God calls the imperfect to reach the imperfect with the perfect message. He doesn't want us to be perfect, I mean, he wants us to strive for perfection. He wants us to strive to be like Christ. But that's not the call. The call is to go and to do. But they recognized, these three, they recognized what mattered. And they got up off of their proverbial couches. You know, they didn't have couches then. But they got off of their couches and they did something. That's it. They did something. Likewise, there are so many... Ways that we, too, can impact the world. So today, we're going to go over seven of those ways to impact the world. And you're like, ugh, seven. (laughs) Don't worry. One, they're easy. And two, it should be pretty quick. But the first person that we're going to come to and how the one that we want to see that impacted the world was John the Baptist. So impact like John the Baptist. So John the Baptist recognizes that G, or recognized Jesus before he was even born. You know, in the womb he recognized Jesus. It's pretty crazy. John preached the same message over and over and over again. So uh, the next time I preach, <laughs> same message, huh? <laughs> same message. Until the people began to listen. No, I'm kidding. Uh, side note: He ate locusts. I'm not going to do that. Um, I'm sure you wouldn't want to find that on your dinner plate either. It's just. Weird bug that you don't really want to eat. You want to talk about feeling inadequate? That John the Baptist felt inadequate. He felt different. He felt like he didn't fit in. He felt like he looked different. Anyway, John the Baptist was just one man. In fact, he referred to himself as just a voice. But he was the one who told anyone who would listen that Jesus was coming. His message was simple Behold the Lamb, or in other words, Behold the Savior. He is your Savior. Here is your Savior. A simple message with a lasting spiritual impact. And despite his doubt when uh, things got tough and, and his strange diet choice and the strange ways that he dressed, John the Baptist is a biblical hero, ranking alongside of Moses and Noah. But why? And it's because of this simple phrase. Because it was John's goal to make an impact for Christ. It didn't matter about all the other things of John. All that mattered was that John was choosing to make an impact for Christ. What about some Old Testament figures? People who made an impact in the, the good old OT, Jonah. So if you guys don't realize it, my son is named Jonah. I kind of like Jonah. I kind of like the whole story of Jonah. Jonah kind of is my like, life story of God calling me to do something and me just saying, you know what? That sounds tough. And me just not doing that. Uh, and so for me, Jonah was that, that story, and, and that's, you know, when Casey and I were deciding names of kids, you know, we went through all the weird names that Casey wanted, and then I was like, let's name him Jonah, and, uh, and then we were like, okay, here's, like, when you got the last name Worcester, like, you can't set him up for complete failure in life, so uh, we, uh, I was like, it gotta be a name that, like, at least you can spell, but in the end, people call him Noah, so, I don't know, it, they're both, they're both water, so. But Jonah, despite, you know, despite making this really poor decision to run away from God and ending up learning a lesson of truly what it looks like to obey God, call, obey God's call to bring a warning of destruction to Nineveh. And the city filled to the brim with sin. He was called to, to this place that he didn't want to go. And Jonah was terrified. and He didn't believe that any good could come out of this place. He believed that it was just... Rotten to the core. There was just no help. But he was, conv- you know, he was convinced that Nineveh would reject his message and that they would make fun of him or that they would throw him out or that they would, at worst, kill him. So he didn't go. He ended up, you know, going through the storm and getting swallowed up by fish and you know spit out. And then decides, oh, you know, maybe, maybe I should go. And then he goes and then he's like half-heartingly telling people to change their life, and all of a sudden the people, even with a half-hearted message, people still were like converting and just changing their whole lives around, even so far as to the king himself turning to God. And when God saw what had happened in that city, he relented and he did not destroy them. Talk about an impact. Very unwilling person going and giving a very half-hearted message to people that just so desperately wanted to hear about this saving message. But here's the key, that in the end, Jonah's goal was to make an impact for Christ. Okay, one more. Let's talk about a lesser known biblical account, Josiah. Josiah was one of the greatest kings to ever rule in Israel. And you want to feel, if you want to say that you feel inadequate about anything, if you know anything about the story of Josiah, then you would know just how inadequate he would have felt. Josiah was eight years old. Eight, that's it. Eight years old, going into second grade, maybe going into third, not having a bank account, half of his life until he can start driving again, getting his first chariot. Josiah was young. I mean, think about in your own life and think about those that are maybe older than you and think about how sometimes they view you and sometimes, you know, the things that they say, or, you know, when you get older, you'll get, uh, you'll understand this, or, you know, when, when you get older, you'll, you'll see why we do it this way, or, you know, whatever the phrase is, there's always that feeling of, like, when you become my age, then you'll get it. And I'm, like, constantly chasing that. Like, I'm 33, and I still, like, when I tell people I'm 33, I feel like, man, I'm getting old, and people are like, oh, you're not old. I'm like, yeah, but I'm older than I was, but... But usually I act like a middle schooler, so it doesn't matter. So, um, but Josiah was eight. And despite his youth, God looked at him with favor because he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. Later, Josiah repented on behalf of Israel's disobedience and made a covenant with God and all of his people to follow him. He read the book of the law to the people and vowed to God to forever follow what he was calling them to do. Now imagine how Israel would have felt. Think about the, all the ages that would have been involved in this scenario. And Josiah comes along as an eight-year-old, starts reading the law. He's like, look what you guys are messing up. I'm going to follow God. I've made a covenant that you're going to follow God. And they're all like, what do you know? You don't understand the struggles of the world. You don't understand what's going on. And you might be thinking that you can't make an impact like, like Josiah or like Jonah, or like John the Baptist. But just the same as, as the first two, Josiah had the same exact belief that Josiah's goal was to make an impact for Christ. So just like these Bible characters choose to make an impact for Christ, we need to choose to make an impact for Christ. The obstacles that stood in the way of John the Baptist, Jonah, and even Josiah weren't any different than the obstacles that stand in our way right now. And right, let's think about these. Let's kind of take a moment. They didn't—they didn't say it in the Bible, you know. But let's take a moment, and kind of be creative, and think. So, are you worried that no one will take you seriously? Are you afraid that your age or your stature or what you do for a living will make you not be viewed as as important enough or impactful enough? Well, so were they. Are you worried that you can't do it alone? Well, so were they. And here's a little side note. You don't don't have to do it alone. But we're so afraid that we have to do it alone. We're so afraid that we have to go and talk to people alone. And even when we are personally solo, you know, we're not alone. And we have the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us. We have a a living and active God that goes before us. Being alone is something that that Satan uses to attack and to, to disarm in a time where God is so desperately calling out for us to go, we're just like, I don't want to do it alone. And God's just like, I'm here. You don't have to. But, but they were afraid to do it alone too. Are you worried that no one will listen? So were they. And yes, the task can seem overwhelming. They were overwhelmed by it. But each of the people that we've discussed here so far made simple daily decisions to follow God in their everyday life. So, like I said, we're going to go over seven things, seven things that I see from these three stories that really kind of jump off the page. The first one is very, very easy. Are you ready? Love others. Like I said, it's easy to remember. Not, not always to do, right? But, but it's easy to remember. Number one, love others. John chapter 13 verses 34 and 35 say this, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So this specific scripture that Jesus is bringing for us here is simply talking about loving those in the church around you, right? Sometimes that's even hard enough. When we're, when we think about those that are sitting next to us and how we're supposed to love them unconditionally. Sometimes it might even be easier to think about loving those outside of the church because they're like, well, they didn't know any better. But what Jesus is calling out here is we will by by the love that we have for our fellow disciples, by our fellow followers, by the fellow Christians in the building those outside of the building, will know. By this, by love, others will know that we follow Christ. When we begin loving others, not preaching at them, telling them how they've messed up and how they need to be different, how they need to be better, how they need to do better, and throwing the rules at them, we begin to start to impact people for Christ. He asks us to love people in order to show them what Christianity truly is. And it's that, it's that love, that surpassing, unexpected, generous kind of love that will get others to crave what you have. I remember as a kid, and I think I've told this story before, but um, I was in cooking class, and we had this situation where I was in this group of all girls, and, and I was the guy, and they, I had become a Christian, and and uh, I wasn't up until that point in, in the cooking class, and they all knew me prior, and, uh, you know, we were all gossiping about, about school stuff, and when I b- came into this school year, I was still in their group, still cooking alongside of them, and they were all doing the normal gossip, and I wasn't getting involved, I wasn't talking about anybody else, I was just talking about how much, how great they were, how much I appreciated them, or just choosing to not say anything, and, uh, and then one of the girls looked at me and goes, you're different, I go, what do you mean? She goes, you're different now. She goes, what happened? And then I had the opportunity to tell her what happened over the summer and talk about how I became a Christian, and how I accepted Christ, and, and how I no longer needed to, to gossip about what other people were doing. I had enough problems going on in my own life. I didn't need to worry about what other, other people had going on. All right, number two Determine your area of influence, make a list you're the kind of person that needs to visualize the people that you have an influence over make a list maybe it's a note on your phone maybe it's one name and you can remember it but make a list of the people you interact with on a daily basis so when i was uh in high school a senior year I was in a band, and I played bass in this band, and uh, we were terrible, but we, uh, we played shows and had a lot of fun with it, and uh, like we were like trying to be like Coldplay, if you guys, whatever. Um, so we were, we were in this band, and we were playing. Well, our drummer wasn't a Christian. Our drummer uh, was a great guy, just he wasn't a Christian, and the, the, those of us that were Christians in the group decided that we were going to work as, as a unit, as a team, and talk to Joel about Christianity, about faith, about what it looked like to follow after Christ. And uh, and we did. And because we determined our area of influence, then Joel had the ability to be exposed to Christianity and not just us going through the, the motions of, of the band life and uh, pretending like we had shows booked and all that kind of fun stuff. But instead, we chose to make an impact in his life. So for you... Make this list. Make the list of those you interact with daily. Then think about some simple ways that you can bless them. Sometimes a simple act of kindness can change the whole trajectory of somebody's day. You may never know how much of a difference that you can make in just simply saying something kind or uh, you know, blessing them with, with a, a piece of candy or whatever. Just noticing people matters. Number three, get involved. Kingdom work is going on all over the world. It's going on right here as well. You know, just simply talking to somebody that is involved in kingdom work, you can find out real quick how much work is still needing to be done. And if you are somebody that is looking and searching to make an impact in the world, then getting involved in kingdom work is a perfect way to do that. And if you can't find anyone that's doing kingdom work, then start praying about that. Start praying that God will open your eyes either to someone that is doing kingdom work that you can work alongside or something. Something you can do that will impact the kingdom. Think about a gift or an ability that God has personally given you and figure out what a way to put it to good use. Someone who is busy doing work for for the Lord should be able to see impact. Number four, incorporate the gospel story into your daily conversation. It's the longest one, and I apologize for that, but it's the fourth one, you know, it's whatever. Incorporate. So in your daily life, figure a way to talk about the gospel. Acts chapter eight verses twenty six to forty has an amazing story of just this. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, "Rise and go towards the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza." This is a different, or this is a desert place. And he rose and went, and there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all of her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning. Seated in his chariot, he was reading the prophet, prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come and sit with him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughtered slaughter, and like a lamb before its shearer is silent. So he opens his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, But whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this, about himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and he began with this scripture, and he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down to the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus, obviously. And as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns he came to Caesarea. What an amazing story. And all of it because Philip chose to have the gospel as something that he was always ready to talk about. And all Philip did was take an opportunity to tell someone about Jesus. The Holy Spirit was there. The Holy Spirit was guiding. The Holy Spirit was prodding like he does. And Philip was simply obedient. Can you take your conversations that you have on a daily basis and turn them into the opportunities to spread the gospel? Of course you can. Here's what I want you guys to do. I want you to look to the person next to you and say the phrase, of course you can. All right. One, two, three. All right, now look to the person the other side of you. And if it's far away, shout it at them. Of course you can. Can you take the gospel to those that are around you? Of course you can. It doesn't take a lot. It doesn't take, you know, a, a Billy Graham exhortation. It doesn't take uh, some long... Uh, drawn-out thing. It doesn't take them sitting on a hillside while you stand and preach at them. That's not what it takes. It takes you being personal. It takes you desiring to have a relationship with people. And it takes you being willing to be obedient to the call that God has. There is some level of you can practice. Practice a two-to-three-sentence kind of scenario where, obviously, it's not going to be cookie-cutter. You know, You're not going to just, like, Oh, well, you know, since you uh, talked about the royals, let me tell you about Jesus. Um, you know, like, obviously, you know, make it work and figure out the best way to, to kind of build it all in. But think about a two to three sentence kind of situation. When, when you tell somebody you're going to church on Sunday and they ask you why, you're like, well, here's why. Something short, something simple. If talking about Jesus becomes second nature to you, you'll make an impact wherever you go. Not just where you choose to go, but wherever you go. And remember, it's not your job to lead someone to Christ. That's God's job. All we're called to do is be obedient. All we're called to do is follow the prodding that the Holy Spirit is giving us. All you have to do is follow God's lead. Number five. It's the shortest the hardest forgive we can't be very fruitful vessels for christ if we hold on to grudges and if we hold on to unforgiveness and we are just holding people to a standard that we aren't even willing to be held to not only can unforgiveness get in between you and god it's a sin that god wants us to repent of but it can also ruin our chances to show others what God. What God's love looks like. When we offer forgiveness to others, even though they may not seem to deserve it or even want it, we do the difficult work of being obedient to God. It will make an impact because the world does not forgive like God forgives. People will be shocked by this, they'll receive undeserved mercy and grace. And you'll get an opportunity to tell people why you want to forgive them. This will lead directly into what number four just talked about. It'll lead right into you being able to give a gospel story. Why are you forgiving me? I don't deserve your forgiveness. And then you can tell them, well, I didn't either. I didn't either deserve this forgiveness. People will be shocked by this undeserved mercy and grace. And you'll get an opportunity tell them number six pray for others this is simple pray for people whether christian or not whether friend or enemy i have one of the most eye-opening moments in my life when in, uh, a student and i were talking about uh, an enemy that they had at school you know they were they were being bullied and they were being picked on and and they're, they're having some trouble getting through kind of just the day. And, uh, and I just simply told them, have you tried praying for them? Not praying that they get destroyed. You know, not praying that you have the opportunity to beat them up. But praying the same thing that you want God to be doing for you. Praying that, that they are receiving God's mercy and that they're receiving grace and that they're receiving forgiveness. And that they know who God is and that they love God just as much as you do. And we had this moment where, you know, it was a battle. This conversation didn't go easily. And they weren't, they didn't leave, like, feeling, like, super great. And they weren't, like, you know, it wasn't an aha moment in their their life at that point. But they came back, and it was about a month later. The bully situation started to change, and it started to get different, but it really had nothing to do with the bully. It had to do with the kid and starting to see how the bully was just like them hurting and struggling and trying to get through this life just like them. And, and when this, this student started to pray for the person that was struggling, they started to realize how they needed to show love and how they needed to show kindness. And now I'm not saying that, you know, if you're being beaten up on, you know, obviously like go tell somebody, go figure this out. But this situation was just a hard time. This kid was going, the, the bully was going through a hard time that at his home, and and he was taking it out at school. Because this student chose to, to make an impact by praying, then both of them started to change. When we go to God with the needs and cares of others, it shows that we truly depend on him. Plus, it models for others how to call on Jesus. Here's the last and final one, number seven. Stay in the word. When you spend time reading the Bible, it naturally flows out into how you treat others. God will use his word to transform you. God will use his word to impact you daily. This transformation will be evident to those around you. Even though you might not realize it, every believer should be growing in their knowledge of God's word because in it, we find out who God is, we find out who God is, makes us to be and we find out who god wants us to be to others and we can't make a great impact for christ if we don't allow his word to transform us to change us to mold us there is no doubt that you've heard of all or some of these seven ways to impact the world around you notice that each in and of itself is really it's not a huge thing it's not a huge feat it's not a huge deal to go through. Some days it will feel harder than others. Some days you won't want to do it. But through the power of the Holy Spirit, prodding us, pushing us, and encouraging us, you can do it. Of course you can. Not by your own strength, but by God's strength. Like I said at the beginning, God isn't looking for perfect people or people that have it all under control. He's looking for people that want to make an impact. For God's glory. Just like the characters we talked about at the start, they were not perfect. And they, even at times, they weren't willing. But in the end, God is using imperfect people to bring His perfect gospel to other imperfect people. Let's choose to make an impact for His name. Let's choose to make an impact in this world through who Christ is. Let's pray. Father, I. Just so gracefully and graciously, graciously, wow, graciously, ask you to fill us with that spirit, to provide us with everything that we need, and that everything that that you have of desire for us, that we can go into this world and we can make an impact, and that we can change the world as one person, or as a small group, or as a big group, but we can change this world for you because the more people that cry out that you are god the more this world is going to look like you and the more that those around them will then be affected father allow us to to be changed and to to move in new light tonight today we love you we pray this in jesus name amen
1: So we're pretty excited to finally be moving into our new house. Um, We closed on it like a while ago, and we've been doing like sanding and painting and sanding and scrubbing and sanding, and then staining and polyurethaning, and then finally the floors downstairs are done so we can go upstairs and sand and paint and sand. But anyways, uh, this week we've been moving, and actually today we're going to go over and get the few odds and ends of our stuff and finally be moved in and be done uh, with the moving part Um, but I was thinking what am I going to talk about at communion and I didn't uh, know what to do and then uh, I kept thinking to myself why do we have so much junk like why I'm going through the garage trying to move all this stuff and I'm like I haven't touched this in for as long as we've lived in this house But I also don't want to throw it away either, so I guess we need to move it to the new house so we can set it in the garage and not ever use it. Um, And then, you know, like when you first start packing, everything's really organized and the boxes are labeled and you know exactly where it's going to go. But then by the last day, it's like just grab a box and just put everything in it and just go and we'll sort it later. And then you don't sort it later. And then you've got more boxes of junk and stuff that you don't need or want. Or there's no reason to keep. Uh, But we keep it anyway. And then I was like, we're probably doing stuff like that in our lives too. Not just in our garages. Um, I know the junk that I've got uh, that I wish I could get rid of. Or stop moving with me and carrying around and keeping even though I don't need it and don't want it. Um, and you probably are the same. I mean, I, I hope it's not just me. If it is, then just uh, just ignore this. You're good. But uh, if you've got junk, you know, uh, maybe just get rid of it. Uh, maybe not in a yard sale so it can become someone else's junk. Maybe it's like a dumpster situation. Um, but we, we've got stuff... Uh, that we don't need to be carrying around anymore and he's the one who came to help us to get rid of it to clean up our lives um, as we take communion let's remember the sacrifices that he made and the hard work that he did to to help us get rid of these things that that are holding us down and that we need to just get rid of so let's pray Heavenly Father, uh, we're so grateful for what you have done for us, how you gave up your body and your blood to to forgive us of our sins um, so that we could come and be with you. Um, we pray that as we take this communion that uh, we would be grateful and we would remember what you've done. And as we go throughout this week that uh, we would continue to just remember what we've heard here today. And these things we ask in your name. Amen. Thank you.